Hi, everyone. Welcome back to View from the Mount, uh, where we have conversations about real-life issues through a biblical lens. Uh, We're really excited to be in episode two of our podcast. Thank everyone who tuned into the last one and listened and subscribed. Uh, We'd encourage you to do that today, whatever platform you're checking this out on. Just click the subscribe button, and we can keep pushing this content out, and you won't miss anything. So this week, we're going to get into the idea of confession, a biblical idea of confession, and why that's important in our churches. Yeah, Matt, we're excited to be able to dive into this subject because we believe it's something that's not talked about a whole lot, but it's also something that's important. And the basis for this whole conversation comes out of the book of James, chapter 5 and verse 16, where we're reminded to confess your sins to one another so that you might be healed. And Matt, one of the things that I I think we should understand from the outset is that confessing our sins to one another is an altogether different thing than confessing our sins to God. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You know, I've heard it said we confess to God for forgiveness, uh, but if you want to be healed, you have to confess to another person. Yeah, for the background of that, James 5 talks about confessing to one another for healing. And 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9 reminds us that if we confess our sins uh, and we do that to God, that he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Yeah, and this has sort of become convoluted, I think. I know different churches, different belief systems, uh, they focus on confession as a means of absolution. Uh, the Catholic Church is big on this. You go to the priest, you confess, he tells you to say a hundred Hail Marys or whatever it is that they do. Um, but this is really more about a, just a culture of confession in our churches where we tell each other, here's what I'm struggling with. Here's w- what sin has got a hold of me. And, and we confess those things to one another for healing and accountability. There's so much benefit to doing this. And as the church, we've gotten away from that. We, we shy away from doing that with one another. So we'd like to talk about some of the reasons why that is. And we, we understand from the outset that this whole conversation probably is going to be met with some skepticism. That there's some level of hesitancy to accept what we're saying. This is unique. It's different. Um, and we understand that. So as Matt and I sat and talked and kind of got an idea for what this episode would be about, we started laying some of the groundwork. And, and just so anyone listening understands how our flow is and will continue to be, we don't script these conversations. Mm-hmm. The, these conversations could be much longer and They're seeds intended to spark deeper conversation amongst yourselves. Uh, And we'd love your interaction. We would love for you to respond and share with us uh, what your thoughts are and uh, dive deeper on the subject. But we do understand that this is met probably with some skepticism, some hesitancy, because this isn't something we do on a daily basis in our tradition, in our background. Yeah, we've definitely got away from this. Uh, and, and I think that kind of leads us into the, the first of those reasons. We kind of laid out some reasons why people might be reluctant to confess their sins to one another. Uh, and I think fear stands at the, at the head of that list. You know, there are things that we just don't want people to know about us, about our past, about things we're currently struggling with. Um, we try very hard, especially in the church, to sort of cultivate this image of a good Christian and good Christians, after all, don't struggle with these things anymore. And and we don't want to reveal those things to other people. And and why do you think we're so afraid? I mean, what is it that we're afraid of? Well, I, 
I think if I think about myself and what might cause me to be hesitant to actually find somebody and confess some struggles I'm having, thoughts I've had, character defects, it is fear. It's fear that you might judge me. It's fear that you might not think as highly of me, fear of being exposed all those things come into play. So this idea, all it sounds great in theory. We talk about confession. We believe James 5, 16. I believe you should do it. But when it comes down to me actually doing it, the fear is what might cause me to not actually take the time, mm-hmm. find somebody, and then pour out my heart and my struggles to that person. Right. I mean, let's be, and let's be fair about that. That fear isn't always unwarranted, right? I mean, not everyone is trustworthy to confess everything to. And we certainly wouldn't encourage anyone to walk into church on Sunday morning. You know, the very first person who says, how's it going? Your response would be, well, I'm, I'm struggling with pornography this week. You know, yeah. you don't want to confess that to just anyone. We should have people that we can trust and that, that we we know we can confess things to. And, and we even talked earlier about, you know, that there's some things that need to be maybe confessed publicly to the church and other things that can be confessed privately to one person. Absolutely. Every Sunday, and this is probably the case in most churches, we offer a time of invitation mm-hmm. and we make it clear that this serves several purposes to make a decision to follow Christ, to be baptized for the forgiveness of their sins, or maybe somebody that's gone astray or stumbled for them to have a time of confession. So that's incredibly difficult, and people are reluctant to do that more now than ever, the idea of rededication. But there are levels to this. There's private confession to God. There's confession that you might have to one person where you're doing that for healing and, and there's some redemptive value in that. But but then there is there is this other component that we're not really focusing on of a public confession before the church. We don't think, Matt, that that's for every sin, every struggle, every shortcoming. Right. Just to sum that up, we might say public sin might merit or warrant a public confession. Right. But we're talking more about private struggles, inward sin, uh, and and even some of those outward sins that we might be reluctant to confess because right. of fear. And and these things can be something we're continuing to struggle with now, or or something from our past that we're just having a hard time letting go of. You know, I've experienced this, and I think most of us have. We know we're forgiven intellectually that God has forgiven us if we're in Christ, and yet I cannot forgive myself. And and we have a way of taking those past sins or even our present struggles and we build them up to the point where we almost feel like something less than human, you know, and and we're so afraid to be rejected Mm -hmm. if anyone knows, you know, the real me. And, and, you know, I have recently, we've started this Celebrate Recovery ministry and it's kind of focused on confessing to one another. And I have found myself to one or two people confessing things that I had made up my mind were never going to see the light of day. And and firsthand, I can tell you, when it comes to fear, there is something about revealing the monster under the bed and finding out it's not as scary as you thought it was. You know, to be able to voice those things and put them in perspective. Because immediately when you say something out loud, it deflates it from this giant thing that was in your mm-hmm. mind and it allows you to deal with it as it really is. And, and there's value. You're not going to be rejected for that either. There's value in transparency. Yeah. And we're not transparent people, but there's value in that. And I'm not always good about it. I'm not always good about just sharing that. And there's certain things which which I might be okay confessing. There's other things that I might be more reluctant. 
to confess, depending on how in my mind I've I've made that thing, because I don't know if I want people to know the real me, the real heart, the inward workings because of some shame uh, with that. And obviously, when we speak about this, probably something will repeat through this. We understand that you should not confess that to every person. You need to find someone that you trust. Yeah. That might be a small circle. Mm-hmm. That might be one person. Uh, that you trust. And and so my fear is not just shame, but my fear might be, can I trust somebody else to guard and keep my secrets, my struggles? Yeah. And th- I mean, that's a risk. It's it's a risk telling someone something, um, no matter how well you think you know the person, there's always that chance, you know. In my experience, you know, maybe a good idea is tell them something small and see, see how it goes. You know, th- let that person earn your trust for things like that. And that also gives you an opportunity to be their person that they can share with. You know, if you're telling someone something, they're more apt to want to share back with you. And, yeah, you know, and that is a mutual thing. It should be a mutual thing. Uh, I, I don't know how quick I'd be to find someone to confess to that they also weren't willing to open their heart to me. Yeah. Uh, you know, we don't just want somebody to be a sounding board right. for our, our struggles. We want a mutual, beneficial friendship uh, sure. relationship. Because a big benefit of this is no longer feeling alone with your struggle. Right. If you're just talking and the other person's just nodding, you still sort of are left feeling alone. And Be- so we before want to reciprocate. Before we move to that next point, Matt, would you give a plug for our, our Celebrate Recovery program? We've both been involved in this uh, and, and kind of share what you mean by the idea of a culture of confession. Well, it's just this idea that, you know, when we come to church on Sunday morning, everybody puts on their best smile and puts their best foot forward and they pretend to have it all together. And it, it creates this atmosphere where where someone who is struggling feels like they're the only one who's struggling. Well, they look around and say, well, all these people clearly are are doing it right. They don't have these issues. I need to hide my issues so that I can fit in. And with Celebrate Recovery, it's really a fantastic ministry. It helps us deal with life's hurts, habits, and hangups, whether that would be addiction or some kind of sin, some kind of trauma that we've suffered that's just weighing us down. And we get together in these small groups and we build relationships and we share those things. We, we get past the pretense and it really is I think the church, the way the church was meant to look from the get-go. I mean, these people are sharing deep things. And because of that, we are praying for one another about deep things. And and I know those those guys now better than I know anyone else in the church. It creates a church within a church almost. And yeah. and and we just want to see that spread. If we could if we could see the whole church leaning on each other in that real deep way. Um, and in that, we stress over and over again. The importance of confidentiality Mm -hmm. for that to work, to make the fears alleviated to the best possible. But that's only going to be as good as people want it to be. It's only going to be as valuable. If you come to something like that, you find some accountability partner. It's only going to be as beneficial as you're willing to make yourself vulnerable or you're willing to pour out. There's benefit to that. It is vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is always the risk of somebody doing that. And and so Celebrate Recovery has been great for us. And even within, we have a small group of, what, 10, 11 yeah. guys that will share together, mm-hmm. uh, not generally more than that. But even within the groups, there becomes groups within the groups to where it's ideal that you find a couple people to go even deeper with, with specific Right. Confession. Yeah, actual accountability partnerships that you form with one another. And we've got that for, for men and women groups for that ministry. Um, I'd love to see more people get involved in this. Uh, th- I think people get hung up on the recovery word and they think, well, that's just for addiction. It, it is not. It but, is for any kind of sin that you're struggling with. And please with. check out our church website, lakemountchurchofchrist.org. Check that out. 
we meet on Tuesdays, and, and that involves people not just with drug addictions, but any type of hurt, habit, or hang-up, which we all have. There's Every Christian should be involved in some level of confession, yeah. sharing, accountability. Celebrate Recovery is not the only outlet for that. It is a great outlet for that. It is. And so it, we really encourage each and every person. I know you might think listening to my life's somewhat together. I promise you there's value in that, and you can come check that out if, if you would. We'd love that. Matt, we have a second why not. Mm-hmm. And, and that is maybe our reputation, our ministry, or our witness. And this maybe connects with fear. Yeah. But sometimes we might be reluctant to do that because we're guarding our reputation. Mm-hmm. And that's true enough. And in the church, like, like we said, people like to appear to have it all together. And I think that's especially true for those of us who are in ministry as, as a vocation, or if we're leading a ministry in the church, or we're involved in things we don't want our witness to be hurt by people knowing uh, what we've done. But by pretending to be perfect, we're actually sort of minimizing what Christ has done for us. And I think that actually we strengthen our ministry and our witness sometimes by admitting we're not perfect. Look what Jesus has done for me. And this might be something that touches on, you know, who is it safe to talk to? Maybe a preacher needs to talk to another preacher. You know, most most guys in ministry I know have an inner circle of people but how many times do we see people in ministry going down in flames and their lives are destroyed over an affair or some kind of scandal? And if they had only confessed to someone along the way who could have held them accountable and, and changed that course. Yeah, our reputation should be important to us. Mm-hmm. We should be careful for our reputation. Sure. But at the same time, I don't ever want to give off the idea that part of my reputation is that I've got it all figured out. Part of my reputation is that I'm still trying to figure this out myself, uh, that I don't have the Christian life mastered. In fact, it takes some uh, learning and growth to get there. But I, I'm finding in my own life that the more I grow, the more I my conscience becomes sensitive to issues in my own life, the more I realize I have weakness there that needs to be dealt with, uncovers other issues. So uh, my reputation is never built on the fact that I do it all right all the time. Sure. And, and so that really does show some inner struggle that I might have. It does. And, and, you know, I think this is one of those things where we sort of lie to ourselves. When we want to think our reputation depends upon having it together all the time, other people know that we don't have it together all the time. We're far more transparent than we would like to be. And, and anytime, anytime I've experienced someone who just pretends like they don't have any skeletons in the closet... <laughs> It makes me regard them in a less good light than, than if they are upfront about some of that stuff because I'm far more interested in how someone shows integrity and deals with their real struggles versus them just pretending that they don't have any. We, we've talked about this before. There, there probably is a danger here. While we want to be real, I think there can become a danger of not taking sin seriously enough. Right. So that on, on one hand, I want to be honest with my reputation. Uh, with who I am inwardly and my struggles. On the other hand, I don't ever want to get to the point where I'm just okay with sin in my life because everyone else has sin. Right. And I, I think that we can get to that point just because it's something that we have to live with every day. We know that we're going to struggle with sin all of our lives. I mean, Christ has freed us from that. We don't have to sin, but we know we're going to miss the mark. And 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 it's very easy to almost become fatalistic about that. It just is what it is. You know, we kind of lose our sense of shame. And, and and I think there's a balance there between understanding that what we are doing that is sinful needs to be worked on and it needs to be mm-hmm. repented of without 
you know, having to wear a hair shirt around and, and bemoan and, and wail and cry, you know, there's got to be some kind of middle ground in there. And as you were saying that, I was thinking about if, if my fear is those things, my witness, my reputation, those things, we also need to be able to extend grace mm-hmm. and expect people, in, especially in the church, to treat us with grace, you know, when I get it wrong. Yeah. When I mistreat someone, when I have a struggle, we need grace from one another. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that just has to come along with some of that accountability. You know, you, yes, we extend grace to one another, but we also make it clear like, yeah, but you got to work on this. Absolutely. You know? Matt, the, ne- the next thing that might be a deterrent for people actually putting this into practice is some people are private. Some people are incredibly introverted. Yeah. And the idea, those people in general don't get to that level don't like the idea of that yeah and i you know i've struggled with this because i know that people struggle with this i'm not really that introverted i i don't mind talking to people about different things and so sometimes i have a hard time to be fair putting myself in the shoes of someone like that and i think it can be easy for for us to dismiss those people and dismiss that very real struggle you know the the sort of harsh kind of jerk in me wants to say well you know i'm sure jesus wasn't comfortable getting nailed to a cross either you know but you can't dismiss this is very difficult for people. There, people have social anxiety. People have real reasons. And some of those people have learned that it is not safe to share with mm-hmm. people. They've been betrayed. They've been hurt. And so I have absolutely got to straighten out my heart on that and, and extend compassion to those people and understand that's a real struggle. Sure. People are the way they are for a reason, yeah. oftentimes. And, and I think every personality, you know, and I don't, I don't know if an introvert was born introverted or they kind of became private introverted because of circumstances, maybe both, but every personality has positives and negatives, dangers that inherently will come with it. And we have to be aware of that. And consciously, I think on the other side, someone who's an extrovert, I've seen people that are way too open with private things and, and, and that's dangerous. So uh, I guess my point's this, if you're an introvert and you're put walls up around yourself you know, I think we need to recognize that there is benefit to confession, to fellowship, to community. And there's got to be an intentional decision to overcome some of that. Like yeah. that's not going to change your personality and who you are, but you might just have to be in, be more intentional about this and more uncomfortable about it. And I think those of us in the church who are more willing to talk to people need to be more intentional about reaching those people. Most introverted people, if you build a relationship with that person and there's trust, they will open up much more mm. than they would if you didn't do that. And so I think we need to recognize that there are some people who are more willing to talk than others, and we just need to try to build bridges to those introverted type Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I think that's a, a valid concern, a valid question, but uh, I think it's one that could be answered. Also, Matt, I think that the denial, the idea of just personal denial is an issue that might keep people from breaking into confession. Right. And I know even, you know, we talked a little bit about Celebrate Recovery. I've, I've invited lots of people and one of the responses I get a lot is, well, I don't really have anything, you know, that I need to work on. And, and that's fair enough in terms of not everybody needs a, a recovery ministry. You know, maybe they're not struggling to the point where they can't function in life, but we do have struggles. And, and if we think that we don't. Well, you do. I don't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So if we think that, that's an issue. I mean, we all have sinned. I mean, that's a very scriptural idea. And so to think that we don't is uh, is denial for sure. How much do you think this comes into play 
just the actual time that we might spend in introspection. You know, I do do people even take the time today to to evaluate their lives, stack it up against uh, who they should be? We can't get to a place of confession if we really don't believe that we have anything to confess. You know, and I don't I don't think people take time to think about much. I mean, that's, that can be a whole other issue, but. Think about the time that you would spend sort of reflecting on things. You know, you're standing in the checkout line, you're, you're sitting in a waiting room, all these little times throughout the day that we used to just sort of have to spend in our thoughts. Now we're scrolling on our phone or whatever. I mean, I don't think people are engaging in that sort of introspection. You know, they're just not. And the other thing is, I think if we do have a moment where we think about our sin, we're very apt to sort of make it a relative thing. We compare it to other people. You know, well, I might do that, but it's not as bad as so-and-so, or we'll compare it to our past mistakes. Well, I do that now, but it's nothing about, you know, compared to what I used to do. And so we just make ourselves comfortable with our sin instead of dealing with it. And if I'm being honest in my own life, there's struggles I've had that I haven't wanted to put a name on. Mm. That saying it out loud to myself is hard enough to say I have this problem and give it the biblical name and to, and to admit that it's a struggle rather than just a, a slip up mm-hmm. or uh, that it's out of the blue, not a part of my character, that becomes a lot more difficult. So if I, if I was to go to you and be like, I have this struggle, I struggle with whatever, fill in the blank, that's hard because it makes it real. Yeah, You know, and, and I don't know if we're always willing to do that. If I can just either give it a cleaner name, mm-hmm. think it's the exception to the rule of my heart, or just pretend it's not there, yeah. then I'm better off. Or that it's there and maybe it's not that big of a deal. It's certainly easier than having to actually deal with the problem. Right. Which is, it's hard to change. It's hard to, because a lot of these sins, they've become aspects of our personality. It's a part of, you know, who we are, or at least that's how we think about them. And we do have a tendency to kind of paint stuff up as being different. You know, if you're kind of a jerk, you might say, well, I'm a straight shooter. I just tell people how it is. Well, no, you're kind of a jerk. Right. <laughs> you're mean to people and you say things that you shouldn't say. And, and um, do people consider that a character defect, a spiritual issue? I don't know if they do or not. I think that we should consider yeah. that a spiritual issue you know, or, or you know gossip you know and and there's all these sins that we've kind of made normal there's sins that we've made acceptable in the church yeah. in our own minds and we even joke about it, like i'm the church gossip right. and, and and we laugh and joke about it. well it's not really funny when you think about the biblical perspective of sin yeah. it's not funny at all no. uh, but it helps us live with ourselves Right. And there are things that have sort of become a social norm. You know, how many of us have accepted that a certain amount of lying is just necessary to get by in the world? It's like this social lubricant. It it gets rid of difficult situations. It's easy to just, you know, lie about certain things rather than to tell the truth. And and we sort of almost accept that as being okay. Or we want to play mental games about it. Like, well, would it be better if I told the truth and hurt that person's feelings? Is it okay to lie and spare someone's feelings? Like there's right. real questions about some of that. And, and it's that, easy to rationalize. As we're seeking the Lord, I, I think the idea is this. That one, we have to be honest with ourselves. And that passage we mentioned at the beginning in 1 John 1, it's sandwiched. The idea of confessing to God is sandwiched by the idea of the reality of the presence of sin. And yeah. in, in the verse before, it speaks about the fact that, hey, if we deny that there's no sin, then we're deceiving ourselves. And the verse after it says, if we say we don't have sin, we're making God out to be a liar. So we have to be real with ourselves. And that might even mean that these smaller things that we consider a lesser big deal, sins of the mind, sins of the heart, that we start to dive into that. 
Yeah. And I think if you want to get into James 5.16, it says, confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you can be healed. And so the prayer is a huge part of that. How is someone going to pray for you if they don't know what you're struggling with? And I think that kind of leads to the next thing is, you know, I think sometimes we don't share these things with one another because we don't want to be held accountable. If you tell someone I'm struggling with this and you know you've got one or two people at least praying about that and, and encouraging you on to do better and asking you how you're doing, it puts a spotlight on you. Now you're under pressure, you know, and maybe you're not ready to deal with that. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or I think I can deal with it on my own, right. which, which is ridiculous. It's the idea that, man, I, I'm going to fix myself. Right. Uh, I'm going to, by sheer will, conquer uh, this struggle. And sometimes we need one another's help. And I've had times where I've shared a, a struggle or, or some weakness in my life, and people have asked me about it. And that's uncomfortable. You know, when someone's like, hey, how's your prayer time going? And I have to, in that moment, decide, am I going to be honest and transparent in my response? I was in my confession. And if I didn't do well, that's embarrassing that I confessed something to you and then I went right back to the well. It is embarrassing. And and I think that's one of the things that if we're going to get into this idea of confessing to one another, we can put ourselves in those positions intentionally. And and I've I've found that to be really valuable. I will tell someone, look... I'm struggling with this. I want you to ask me about it in a week. Ask me how I did with this because I know it's going to cause me to have to make that decision. And looking forward to that, I'm going to tell myself, I don't want to have to lie to that person. Right. And I also don't want to have to tell them, you know, well, I really fell on my face and I didn't do a thing about it the whole week. And so that will actually encourage me to make an extra effort to do better. And maybe that means we start smaller, a little bit less invasive of our heart. Maybe it's that you find somebody and say, hey, I, I struggle with finding a daily prayer time. Mm-hmm. Will you text me every day and ask me if I prayed yeah. today? And I've had people that have done that for me. It really does help because I, if I care and I do, then if I haven't that day, it challenges me to go there. Uh, right. and, and so we need accountability. I think that's really has to be what sets this apart which goes with this idea of confession is that ultimately it leads to accountability. Yeah. And, it, and it's a cool thing that happens once you've shared a struggle with someone and you've made yourself accountable, you all of a sudden have sort of a partner in dealing with it. You're not shouldering the whole thing on your own. I mean, God's shouldering it for us, but you know, you know what I mean? One to another. It, it's this feeling that we're in it together. I'm not alone in this struggle. And also, you know, once the preliminary like explanation is out of the way, you have this very easy way of getting help throughout the week. I got a group of guys I can send out a text message and say, hey, need you to pray for me. Mm-hmm. They know what I'm asking them to pray about. You know, and, and that becomes only as deep as you want it to be. Mm-hmm. And if you want it to be deep and personal uh, and vulnerable, then you can make it that way. And I think relationships should grow to that. Yeah. Matt, the, the, the next thing is the idea of pride. Yeah. How does pride keep us from embracing the idea of confession? Well, I mean, you kind of touched on it a minute ago. It's just this idea of, you know, you're not denying your sin. You realize that you have a struggle, but you're pretty much have this attitude of, well, I've got this. Like, I don't need to confess to anybody else. I can handle this. It's me and God. That's how it's going to be. And I'm not going to tell anybody about it. It could be the idea that you don't want people to know because of your pride or just the thought that you have it under control and you don't need that. But the Bible generally doesn't instruct us to do things that are silly and unnecessary and that we don't need to do. And the, and it, the scripture encourages us to confess our sins to one another. So I have to think that there's a certain amount of responsibility to do that. Yeah, I, I catch my pride getting in the way way here. Uh, you know, it's not wanting to have someone think less of me, mm-hmm. uh, that concern, uh, 
or thinking that I like to be the one to give the help, not get the help. Yeah. Um, those things all come into play. But I, I think we can have this idea that we want to be elevated, that we want people to think well of us. I, I think that's probably true of most of us have that type of struggle. And confession's humbling. It is humbling. And, you know, I think that when we allow that pride to take over, when we keep a lid on everything and we don't expose any of that to anyone, we're actually cutting ourselves off as a source of encouragement to someone else. People don't want to confess to someone if there's no reciprocity there. You know, like I want to talk to somebody who's going to in turn talk to me. For one thing, I know that person's not perfect yeah. either. There's some comfort in that. We can share a struggle together. Um, I don't want to confess my struggles to somebody who nods and says, oh, that sounds awful. I don't have any of my own, so I can't identify with that. That's that's difficult. And we're not just talking about swapping war stories. Right. You know, like, I think this can lead into like a one-upsmanship. It can. Like, I did this. Well, you got, that's nothing. I've done this. Or, or you know, and so we don't, that's not token confession, kind of what, you know, I'm going to confess to you just because I feel bad that you've laid it out and I want to say something. Right. This has to be genuine, but it is humbling because we're bringing ourselves, we're making ourselves vulnerable, but we're also exposing the fact that we got real weakness and shortcomings. Sure. And, and we all do. So, I mean, if, you're, if your knee-jerk reaction to this conversation is to kind of clam up inside yourself and say, well, I don't have anything I need to confess, I would encourage you to maybe make a little better inventory of yourself because we all struggle with something. Right. And I think we all need somebody that can be a close friend. It doesn't have to be a lot of somebodies, right. but we all need somebody that we can get there. It's kind of this next point that I think is maybe the most profound. It's the idea that so many of us in our relationships are stuck in the superficial. Yeah. How's the weather? Let's mm -hmm. talk about sports. Let's talk about the kids and grandkids. But even in my own life, I catch myself, run, myself running to the very simple conversations rather than deep, meaningful, self-inventory, spiritual stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I think part of that is time. You know, we're, we're so focused on what we've got going on. We've got our own little families to worry about. And those are all relevant. I mean, that's that's a real concern. We don't always have time to spend with people to develop those relationships. I don't think that sharing our sins with one another is always the way to build those relationships. Um, I think you start to build a relationship and then you get into this territory. But I will tell you, it does deepen relationships. When you get to the point where you can start to get into some of this stuff, it's like you open a wellspring sometimes and, and that relationship just goes deeper and deeper from there. And, and, the, and the, the way that we pray for each other changes, the way that we encourage each other changes, the way we interact changes. There are people who, you know, through CR, I've, I've started to understand better and it's helped me to interact with them better all the way around because I understand them. I, I kind of got a better idea what makes them tick. We can be better brothers and sisters to each other. If we get past that surface level, how's the weather stuff? And, the, and that type of level of relationship doesn't occur easily. It doesn't occur, occur instantly. It takes time. Mm -hmm. So to get to a mutual confessing relationship, you might not... Uh, it might not be the best idea to find somebody and hope it just deepens the relationship. You might find your longest, strongest relationships mm -hmm. and forge them even deeper through that. This might not occur in the church foyer. Yeah. It might occur over coffee. Uh, it might occur uh, some other way, but it just might not be something you grab someone in the foyer and be like, hey, let's talk about my baggage. Well, and I mean, when we read the scripture, the church wasn't the church just in the foyer. I mean, they were in each other's lives. They spent that time with one another. 
Um, the people who Jesus taught the most deeply were the ones who lived with him and walked with him, and he spent time with them outside the context of a worship service or or a sermon, you know. And it's it's those relationships that we invest time in that are going to become deep like this. Yeah. Um, and I think that's my challenge and encouragement is that we take our relationships one step deeper. Mm-hmm. And and that's something anybody can do right now, you know, and many of our friendships, even ones in the church, stay very small. And we miss out on the blessings of a Christian friendship mm-hmm. by not taking them to sharing our heart, sharing our life, sharing our prayer concerns, yes. sharing our struggles with people. So that has to happen, I think, in person, face to face. But you can you can engage people now in so many different ways, which is beneficial. But I, I think we need to get to the point where find somebody and have a real deep spiritual conversation with somebody this week. Yeah, absolutely. Matt, the the application to this yeah. kind of hit on these kind of quick, but how would I, if, if, if I'm convinced that what you're saying is right, mm-hmm. how do I find somebody to open up my heart and confess to? If I believe that's something I need to do, but I'm a little bit hesitant because I don't know what I should look for in a, an accountability partner, uh, yeah. someone to confess to, how do I do that? Um, I think you, you start with the character of the person that you're looking at. I mean, are they a devoted Christian? Where are they in their walk? Do they have the maturity to kind of give you some advice spiritually um, to, to make sure that that confidentiality is going to be there? I mean, make sure you know the person well enough to know that they're not going to immediately run to six people and repeat what you just said to them. Because we do want to protect ourselves. Um, you can't just tell everybody everything. And so part of that is building a relationship with somebody, get to know them well enough to say, well, maybe this is a person I can trust. And then, like I said before in the earlier in the episode, um, give it a test run. Share something that you're not super concerned if it gets out, but ask them not to tell anyone and see see how it goes. I mean, if it comes out down the pipeline somewhere, you know that you've got a trust issue there. Sure. And, 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 and along with that, we generally can tell through conversations we have with people about their character in that regard. Yeah. Like if you're the type of person that's always giving me in, private information about someone else, right. it's very likely that if I give you private information, you're going to be telling someone else about it. Yeah. So that, that'd be number one for me too. Someone that you believe is able to maintain confidentiality yeah. and respect that. And I say somebody that you know is good at, about extending grace to people. If, if someone, if it's someone who never has a good thing to say about anyone and they're constantly sort of being judgmental and pointing out people's flaws, that might not be the person that you want to share with. On the other side of this, there's not just finding someone to confess to and be accountable to, but it's what happens when we are. Yeah. And and this is one of the things that when we kind of had a preliminary conversation about about this topic that we realized would be a part of the conversation is when someone comes to me and they confess something to me, what do I do with that? And man, we could almost do a whole episode on that about how to hold one another accountable and how to deal with our sin once it's exposed. I think first and foremost, you're... you're you want to be supportive and encouraging of that person without being permissive, without saying, well, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, we, our instinct sometimes is to just make someone feel better. You don't want to feed them nice sounding words if it's going to make them comfortable with something that obviously needs to be correct. And, and that's the, the nature of what, how we should handle sin. It's not like, oh, it's okay. I'm going to pat you on the back and tell you that whatever it is that was wrong was not really that big of a deal. Right. Uh, you know, but on the other side, I don't want to kick you. Right. You know, and and we have shortcomings and struggles and, you know, I shouldn't judge you because you sin different than me, but yet it is a big deal. Yeah. It's not okay. 
um, and it needs to be dealt with. And I guess I was thinking in terms of what happens if someone offers us information, confesses something where they've sinned against somebody else. That might put us in an uncomfortable place as an accountability partner and a friend, a brother or sister in Christ. It does. And and we talked a little bit earlier today about, you know, there's this idea that, that we ought to confess to the one we've wronged. I think that that absolutely best comes from that person who, who sinned rather than coming from us as their accountability person. Right. So we're not looking to be the town crier. Right. But if you confess something to me and you sinned against somebody mm-hmm. and you were to confess that, my responsibility might be need to be to hold you accountable. Yes. Not just for not doing that again, but for confessing and repenting mm-hmm. to the person you wronged. And we, so we want to make sure we we convey that. Like, so I want you to be safe confessing to me. I want somebody to feel safe confessing to me. I want to love them and show grace, yeah. hold them accountable not to do it. But it might mean that I direct you towards making some type of restitution. Yeah. And, and, and we have to understand and get a little bit more comfortable with the idea that we can have forgiveness. We can have grace. Does not always mean we escape all consequences. Um, sometimes there's going to be some fallout from our sins, but confessing them is still necessary. And, and making that reconciliation is still something that we need to do, even though that can be painful in the short term. Um, God expects that of us. So, Matt, kind of to bring this whole conversation to a close, this is a deep subject. Mm-hmm. I still think it's one where people might listen, they might agree with all the, that's said, but Man, it's just a real challenge to put into practice, and we understand that. Yeah, I think that maybe it's good for us to spend time personally praying and taking self-inventory. Yeah, I think so, because there's definitely been things that I never realized were an issue for me until I really started to sit down and think about it. Um, it's not a comfortable thing to think about sometimes. And the other thing would be have a conversation about this. I mean, the more I have sat down and talked about why confession is necessary— the more convinced I am that it's something that we need to be doing. And so we hope that people will go out and take this as a springboard again and and have these conversations. And I think you will find that it sort of naturally leads into a deeper and deeper conversation to where you're sort of suddenly find yourself considering, maybe I want to tell somebody about this or that. Absolutely. So we we understand the fears, the reluctance and all that. We we don't think we've answered every objection. We'd love to hear on in different comment sections uh, about about what you think, what your your doubts, what your skepticism might be, what your reaction might be to some of the things we pose. I don't think there's any question. It's a biblical principle. Absolutely. That's not up for debate. I think the question becomes a practical one. Yeah. How do I do it? How do I overcome my fears and concerns to get to that point? Yeah. What's that actually look like in the church? And I don't know if it's even something we as the church can program. No, it has to be organic. I think people have to take it upon themselves to start doing this and to start making sure that other people are safe to do this and and creating that atmosphere. And that's what I meant by a culture of confession. It's a place where we know we're safe to confess our sins um, and be encouraged and get the prayer that we need and find that healing. Absolutely. And and so I've been thankful that we've had this conversation. It's made me think. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's caused me to consider, uh, you know, and just ask the question, who am I? sharing my heart with, my struggles with, and reinforce the need to find that. Um, and and I really appreciate that type of conversation. And that's what the whole purpose of this podcast has been, yeah. is intended to spark those conversations uh, with somebody else, find somebody else to talk to about it. And uh, I think this conversation 
was a conversation worth having. I think so. And uh, we are actually sort of running short on time here. So we would encourage you to continue this amongst yourselves. Find somebody you can talk to about this, ask these questions. And again, we'd welcome you to comment on whatever platform that you're listening on. Um, we will be having a new episode again in two weeks. And I think next time we're going to talk about tolerance. That's become kind of a buzzword in today's culture. And we want to talk about what is biblical tolerance versus what is the idea of tolerance that we're sort of being force-fed? Does that mean I'm going to have to tolerate you? You think you, you're probably going to have to. Well, you should we'll, be used to it. Though. We'll work that out in the conversation. Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, thank you so much for listening to View from the Mount. Uh, we are available, again, on YouTube, uh, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and a couple other places. And, of course, you can find it at our website, lakemountchurchofchrist.org. Uh, and we'll also have some sermons on there, and we're going to be doing some online classes, so there's plenty of content there. If you're interested in this, we'd welcome you to check out some of that other stuff. And don't forget to hit subscribe and give us a rating as long as the rating is a good rating. Absolutely. Thanks again for listening, everyone. We will see you next time.